When they were young, the world seemed so much fun. It's on this day with backseat coaches. Another day. Another on this day. We're back. An actual on this An day. An actual on this day, yeah. I've managed to... So, for those who weren't listening a year ago, you can go, you can go back and listen to two on this days on the 17th of April, because we did one last year. Um, it was last year, I don't know if you remember this one, was the Kite Man, the Kite Man episode. Oh, he f- like fell down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the Phillies, the Phillies booed him as he like flew down <laughs> on, out of the stands. <laughs> so that was a good one uh but because of that one we managed to overlook another another good one that was on the same day so we've got one this year as well so that's good so 17th of april we are going back to 1860 and this is the first ever boxing world title bout between tom sayers and john heenan first ever did you say heavyweight no just first ever boxing world title belt of any of anything of any division yeah like it's well known as that like it's there was no formality around it but it is well known as the first world title bout i'll give you a little bit of information i will go we'll have a a little delve into the story so it featured two boxers so john heenan was the first he was also known as the benicia boy don't know what that is um (laughs) he was a giant american who was a local celebrity boxer in the wild west in california so this when you say a celebrity boxer he only boxed celebrities (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there wasn't any of those so he just boxed everyone (laughs) yeah so the 1860s or 1860 in general it's crazy that it's not really that long ago when you think about it. Like when you think here, 1860, you're kind of like, mm, it's not that long ago. In America, it's literal gold rush Wild West time, the 1860s, like cowboys yeah. riding horses around. It's such a long time ago, really. It's, <laughs> so it's a very different time. Um, but yeah, he lived out in California and then moved to New York to pursue his boxing career. Um, Price fighting at the time was outlawed in America, so he made a living as what was known as a shoulder hitter, which is basically just a thug. Like, <laughs> it was just a thug. Oh, like, just I see. a higher okay. thug. That, um, <laughs> but for like legitimate businesses, which I also thought was crazy. Like he was hired by like financial institutions and stuff to protect their premises. Okay, but maybe like um, uh. Somebody comes into your house and gets your stuff like as a well. bailiff. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of. But from from what I read, it's more like a bouncer. Like you, in those okay. days, you needed a bouncer if you were a bank or something along those lines. You needed yeah. protection, and that was what he did. He was a strong man. Um, he did a little bit of boxing. Like he'd boxed one proper match, and then fought a guy called John Morrissey for the American title. So there was. Despite the fact that it was illegal, there was an American title. Not quite sure how that works. And you only needed one fight to to, to be in that match. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was there was no like there's no like progression up the rankings. It was whoever's got the belt, send them a letter and challenge them. And if they accept, nice. you can have I a like go. That. That's how it worked. <laughs> I like that. And he did. He sent a letter to John Morrissey. Um, apparently, again, these two were well-known bitter rivals. 
because it's quite old i can't really find out why or how people knew that <laughs> because they'd never fought <laughs> yeah well like they were they were also in those days he this guy john morrissey lived somewhere else in america how would they have talked to each other everything's so far away everyone's like going on horseback everywhere like how did they even manage to become rivals uh, yeah by the time he's heard that this guy is chatting shit about him it's <laughs> yeah, like a dead. year later <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird but so the rivalry was a big part of the match and they they had to fight in canada for some right well, so that they could avoid the authorities where the americans couldn't come and get them they thought they did this match in canada um the home fans in canada were massively on morrissey's side i think morrissey actually lived in canada at this point uh, okay so they were massively on his side and bet heavily on him winning the match and they didn't leave it to chance because heenan apparently injured his hand early in the fight so he was fighting one-handed for most of the fight but was still <laughs> still winning somehow um and at one point, the crowd decided to take matters into their own hands and were known to be punching him in the kidneys every time he like leant back on the ropes because <laughs> it wasn't on like a raised stage or anything. They literally just dug some like poles into the ground, yeah. put all the ropes around, and then the fans were literally right there. And they're just like, it's yeah, like a, like I can a imagine, school fight yeah. when you're just in a ring and like, they're just pushing you back in, get in there. But they were also giving him little digs. And like every time he got knocked down, they trod on his injured hand. They were just like stamping on his hand to try and break it. it Canadians are meant to be nice. Yeah, but not in these <laughs> days. Well, I guess it's like hockey, isn't it? You just stamp on anything. It's hockey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so eventually Morrissey managed to knock Heenan out in the 11th round, but he immediately retired rather than do a rematch because uh, Heenan was keen for a rematch on more neutral soil. I can Mor- imagine. Morrissey yeah. was not happy with that. I didn't fancy it at all. <laughs> he was getting absolutely bad. Didn't so, fancy his chances when he was fighting on his own. Yeah, could not win a legal match. So it instantly retired and Heenan sort of got the, the belt uh, as soon as it, was, as it was vacated. So he was considered the American champion at that point. Tom's- he must be a little bit annoyed he never got that rematch though. Uh, possibly. Possibly, but... Because he, he must have known he could have... Like, he could I think, win yeah... It. By by the sounds of it, again, it's hard to know because like the the reports are a bit sketchy. But by the sounds of it, he knew that he had him beat. Like he had Morrissey beat. Had he not been, and that's like, enough for him. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like when you like, he was so far ahead. He beat him with one hand, effectively. Yeah. When you're that far <laughs> ahead, you probably don't need the validation of being called the winner. Like that, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Heenan. The other guy, Tom Sayers was also known as the Brighton Titch, who I think is a much better name. <laughs> <laughs> was he, he tiny? He was, real, well, for a boxer, he was very tiny. He was only five foot eight, I think. Uh, he was a few stone lighter than Heenan. And he uh, was a small English man, only five foot eight, and had a long formal boxing career, however. So Ooh. boxing boxing was legal, but prize fighting was illegal. That's the distinction that I seem to have found. So you could uh, fight okay. at an amateur level, but like whenever there was any sort of purse on the line, you weren't allowed to. I guess like I guess it comes into blood sports. And uh, yeah, um, yeah. But, but prize fighting was illegal, um, but uh, went on quite significantly underground. So he'd had a fair bit of prize fighting experience as well. Um, he by the time of the 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 first 
uh, world title bout, he had fought 15 bouts and lost only one. And the one that he lost, he lost to a guy called Wiley Nat Langham. Wiley was not his name. That was his description. Um, <laughs> and Nat Langham... He dropped an, am- dropped an anvil on him, did he? <laughs> <laughs> he was known as Wiley uh, because he used to just punch him in the eyes constantly. That was all he ever did, was just go for the eyes until his opponent was blinded. And that's how that's a win. tactic. It was yeah. a tactic, and it was perfectly legal at the time, so he just kept doing it. Yeah. Um, it's Well... It, it's, I don't see why it wouldn't be legal now. Like, it was a bit different. So this is bare knuckle boxing. I mentioned that, but this is bare knuckle. It's not. This is not uh, current rules. This is old fashioned bare knuckle pugilist boxing, where yeah, there there wasn't really any rules to it. There was some rules, but not really any rules. Like it was not. It was close to no holds barred sort of yeah. fighting that like you could just kind of do whatever you wanted. So he was like bare fisting straight in the eyes whereas like with gloves like if you hit someone it's hard to get it in the eye (laughs) yeah exactly it gets dispersed around whereas this is like fists in the eye or possibly fingers it's unclear (laughs) he's just poking them in the eyes yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) then you just do you do put a hand there don't you that's how you stop it put your hand up so yes, yeah, so that was the only way that someone had managed to beat him in a boxing ring was Nat Langham punching him in the eyes. Um, but even in that fight, he did not disgrace himself and was reluctant to quit. And his trainer had to actually throw the sponge in for him, despite the fact that he could not see his opponent at all. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, get him. Oh, okay, I'll just go and swing in. <laughs> Daredevil. Yeah. I listen for him. <laughs> so he was very much... Uh, the hardest man in England, basically. After that fight, uh, he fought eventually for the English Championship a guy called against a guy called William Perry, who was also known as the Tipton Slasher, which is another good name, although... It sounds like a serial killer. It, do, it does, very much so, yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you're a boxer, like a bare-knuckle boxer, I guess you kind of want to sound as scary as possible. Yeah. Because you can win on reputation alone. So... Nat Langham, who he'd fought before, was like this guy. He uh, Sayers was basically a middleweight. What you would now have as a middleweight. They did have right. sort of weight class, weight categories then, but because it wasn't like formal, you just fought whoever, whoever you could find to fight. And yes. after Heenan fought uh, Nat Langham, nobody of his weight class wanted to fight him. He was seen as way too dangerous. So he had to right. start fighting bigger and bigger people. And this <laughs> William Perry, who was the, the English champion at the time, was three stone heavier and six inches taller than him and had masses <sighs> of extra reach. This is in 1857. Yeah. Like he, There was no way that he thought he was going to lose. And he was so confident that he sold his pub in Tipton, or in West Bromwich, I think it was. He had a pub in West Bromwich, sold it, and bet the whole lot on himself. That is how confident oh, William man. Perry was of winning. Crazy. What a crazy thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> he was so, so confident. And wrongly so, because Sayers, like, he full-on Muhammad Ali'd him, just dodged and weaved. Like, he didn't... <laughs> apparently, Perry, Perry just couldn't lay a fist on him. And they he won the fight after 10 rounds, right? Ten rounds though lasted one hour and forty-two minutes. Oh, that's so long. Days. Yeah, <laughs> that's so long not to land a punch on somebody as well. <laughs> William Perry, <Yeah. laughs> like, please, please, just come back, <laughs> just come back here. I want to punch <laughs> you, please. <laughs> he just could not catch him. But 
I don't understand how the rounds worked in those days because that like some of the other fights that I read about were like 11 12 rounds and they were in like 25 minutes 30 minutes so I didn't know I don't know if the rounds you just decided between you okay let's have a round break now and never sit down or what I don't maybe yeah <laughs> I can't work it out <laughs> or maybe the ref rung a bell when he was like I'm tired I'm having to sit down <laughs> all right you two can have a sit down <laughs> if you want but <laughs> I'm definitely going to <laughs> So yeah, that was the story of how Tom Sayers became the English champion, and right. by uh, he fought a few more fights in the next couple of years, like trying to find somebody else who was a worthy challenge. Not even close; like nobody got even close to beating him, and that was what eventually led to him getting challenged by John Heenan because he couldn't find anyone in England strong enough or dangerous enough to fight him. So yeah, he finally had to go outside and. I think, I can't remember which way around it was. There's a letter on Wikipedia. There is a picture of the letter that one of them sent to the other saying, that, yeah. yeah, we'll accept the fight. It's amazing. It looks like a five-year-old has written it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like standards of literacy were a lot lower in those days. And and the hands are all beaten up. <laughs> yeah, right now with broken fingers, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> that's true. But it looks like he's written it with his mouth. That's how bad it is. It's like holding the pen. <laughs> it's good to look at um but whoever it was i can't remember which one of them it was the but they they accepted the fight and the fight was set for the 17th of april 1860 prize fighting was not only illegal by this time in england but was also thoroughly discredited and largely ignored because it was sort of seen as kind of brutal but also because he like sayers had been so good it was kind of pointless. Like no one really wanted to right, box because wow. he, he just dominated everyone. It was boring. Yeah, and everyone like everyone likes an underdog to bet on, don't they? Yeah, there wasn't one. He was just like the the overdog. What do you call it if you're like the best one? I don't know. I don't know. If you're just like the favorite, but yeah, I guess that, the favorite. Like, yeah. I guess that's not enough, really, is it? In this no, case, I mean, he's more than that. Yeah, he was just the dominant force. Like no one could get close to him. So everyone was kind of bored of prize fighting by then. Uh, but this international fight, the first time anything like this had ever been done, caught the public's imagination. It was like front page of every newspaper for months and months. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. It was real cool. Just just because these guys wanted to find somebody yeah. to have a little fight with. Yeah, <laughs> please. I just want a little <laughs> fight. Just please. Just a little bit of a fight, please. Uh, some people tried to stop it because it was illegal right and they failed no one like no one would let it get stopped because so many people wanted it to go ahead like people yeah. in power so the, there's an eyewitness account from the the day of the fight uh, the fight was set for 17th of april at 7:30 a.m. which is real early like yeah you would where not was be, it where uh, it was on a field in farnborough <laughs> <laughs> possibly to get away from the cops unclear but it was just out in the middle of a field. But uh, one of the eyewitness accounts said that there were several members of Parliament present uh, among the nobility and gent- the the nobility and gentry who were also there. Besides the noble mm-hmm. open owner of the property, uh, they were also shown the Duke of Sutherland, the Marquis of Stafford, and Colonel Peel. Now, Colonel Peel, I think, is the guy who created the police. You know, like the police used to be called the Peelers. 
Yeah. I think that's that guy. So <laughs> <laughs> the head of the well, police. You, you're not going to get stopped then, are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the head of the police, it sounds like, was there. Um, it says there were about 2,000 persons in the crowd and very, very many of the London celebrities in the literary, artistic and sporting world were present. So this was a big, like... The first time, by the sounds of it, that like the massive prize fight crowd, like you know how you see a prize fight crowd now, and there's always like yeah. comedians in the front row or, or like who like everyone's in there, aren't they? All, all yeah. sorts of like, yeah. posh people are there. That this is where that started, by the sounds of it. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of quotes from the fighters on the day that I thought were quite good. Uh, Heenan said, "We have a fine morning for our business," and Sayers said. <laughs> If a man can't fight and win on such a crisp morning, then he can't fight at all. I thought those are very, very nice little little quotes. Very uh, sort of posh knob sort of quotes, which they definitely neither of them were. They're both working yeah, class blokes. Yeah, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they must have been thinking of like, coming up with those for ages. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, I hope it's a crisp morning because I've got a really good one. <laughs> well, they have like a different line for each different type of morning. <laughs> There's a soggy morning for our business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate soggy mornings in my business. <laughs> oh, We're here on business. <laughs> I'm here on business. <laughs> Who has done this? Uh, so the fight began at seven thirty in the morning, which I still can't get my head around. Like it's so early to be yeah. starting, like to be starting a thing at that time in the morning is ridiculous. Midday at least, surely. Test, test cricket. I was going to say. Me. Take a leaf out of their book. Yeah, they're really good. Like test cricket, eleven o'clock a.m. Please, like no earlier. <laughs> Bit of decorum. Um, the fight was a brutal affair. Heenan began on top, injuring Sayers' right arm, uh, forcing him to fight one-handed for the rest of the bout. So similar to he- Heenan's fight. How often does this happen? How often do people? Do I guess a lot because <laughs> it seems to happen. Just punch in- him in the arm. Yeah, when they say injured, it's. Is it just like a dead arm? Possibly. Like how you'd, <laughs> how you'd give your siblings. Yeah, like a Charlie horse. <laughs> oh, oh, I've got a dead arm. <laughs> I'll fight one-handed, I will, I will. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he was using, Heenan used the, the tricks that he learnt from the guy he fought before, John Morrissey. And interestingly, Sayers, the way that he struck back was by just attacking his eyes. He nicked his ideas from Nat Langham. So they both really? had learned, learned from their earlier fights. And that was what sort of evened the fight out. Because uh, one was blind and one had <laughs> one, one, one hand. Yeah. So he only managed to blind him in one eye. Like He did like the Rocky trick and just puffed up his eye. So it was like yeah. he literally couldn't see out of it, but he could still see out of the other one, by, apparently. Um, so yeah, it was quite an even fight for a long time. And this fight... Do you want to guess how long this fight went on for? Well, for for someone to be on top and then come back into it by blinding him in one eye, I'm going to say it went like 16 rounds. So I don't have a number of rounds, but I do have a time amount. Okay. I'm going to say two and a half hours. You are bang on. It went on for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> they were too long. There. so long i can't i can't people would have been late for work but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, they were all posh knobs anyway it was all like the nobility they didn't yeah. have any work to go to but they, there was members of parliament there apparently so <laughs> they, they probably should have been apparently the prime minister was there 
I can't remember the Excellent. name of the Prime Minister at the time, but he got later very severely talked to about it because he was like questioning <laughs> Parliament about it. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, the fight rang on for two and a half hours. Both men were flagging by the end of the fight, but still going. Um, at one point, quite close to the end of the fight, Heenan had Sayers on the ropes. And apparently this was an illegal move. He had him by the neck, like forcing forcing his head like over the edge of the ropes, like yeah. choke, choking him with the rope effectively. And so uh, wrestling. Effectively, yeah, but like very like brutal. It was a brutal move. <laughs> and apparently that was against the rules. And the crowd were not not slow in telling him that because they ripped the ropes down and just mobbed him they just absolutely the whole lot just legged it in get him lads this is like members of the nobility just like <laughs> flooding in and like knocking him over protecting their voice like a lot again a lot of money had gone on Sayers although a lot of money had gone on both parties because Heenan, right, yeah. Heenan was massive and yes. an unknown quantity an American champion so there was a lot of money going on both but uh, they looked after Sayers when he was sort of being illegally attacked uh, but nonetheless order was briefly restored uh, they sort of put the ropes back up and fought for another apparently <laughs> now another, carry on beating <laughs> each other up yeah another five <laughs> rounds of fighting before uh, everyone noticed that they were completely encircled by the police. The police had come <laughs> to sort of set set things straight. Just snuck up, yeah, literally. <laughs> Apparently, like so, a lot of people got the train down from London, and the police were just stood at like points along the train line to stop people getting off and like having the fight here. So the people just had to keep going until they got to Farmer, and that was where they they were going to have the fight. <laughs> and then all the police they just sort of, ran out of policemen. <laughs> yeah, well, all the police police apparently just sort of crept along the line from like following the train and they'd, they'd encircled everyone uh, and obviously it was illegal so everyone just got chased away <laughs> it was just a free fall <laughs> everyone just legged it <laughs> there was no arrests made everyone just... even like the prime minister just yeah. imagine, quick scarper <laughs> it was literally like how how far do you think he got before you went wait on the prime minister Hang on, I'm just... in charge of these <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they couldn't afford the scandal so they all just legged it there's all these members of the nobility just running away there's people scattered around the sort of Farnborough area which is uh, where's Farnborough it's like down south somewhere I don't know what county it's in but down there they're all just people maybe Somerset is it in Somerset might be further south than that Hampshire maybe who knows there's just people all over the countryside down there anyway just legging it in all different directions no cars at this point really like, yeah. no, so people had to try and find a train or just keep walking until you get back to london that's, that's what we gotta do <laughs> <laughs> so for a while there was just like boxing fans littered everywhere both of the fighters also ran away because despite having How? fought <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> Heenan couldn't see where he was going. <laughs> he had a, a puffed up eye. He got no idea where he was going, but he just ran in a direction. And uh, they both had trainers, so I guess they were being handheld by their trainers. But yeah. They'd have been knackered. They'd been fighting for two yeah. and a half hours. I can't, like, they both got away. So I don't know how they managed good, it, but they both good. got away. I'm glad it. Uh, but the fight obviously was declared a draw because the police got involved. And, fair. Yeah. But you say fair. Heenan was not happy because he felt like he was right on the brink of victory. Like he, he had his right. guy on the ropes. That was when he was pushing his head over the ropes, he was massively in charge at that point, by all accounts. Um, and then the crowd intervened at that point. And then he he was saying, and his supporters were saying that 
they may be say as his like supporters had engineered the police coming in and clearing out the fight when it was clear that he was going to lose yeah so there was quite a bit of wrangling about it but eventually they both kind of whatevered it and uh they were both awarded a belt so they were both world champions oh is that the start of like the hundreds of belts that there are now (laughs) you would think so but no it wasn't because (laughs) Heenan wasn't allowed to take his back to America with him that's the funniest bit of the story (laughs) he tried to go back to America and they said that belt at the moment hasn't been paid for fully so you're gonna have to leave it here (laughs) (laughs) we'll send it to you yeah Yeah, we'll we'll send it to you Uh, let's melt it down boys (laughs) so Sayers was kind of considered the world champion after that um but sadly both of them kind of never really went anywhere after it neither of them fought again after this they both kind of just stopped retired Um, as world champion yeah kind of kind of like there was no no one fought them for the belts like sayers i could could see why nobody would want to yes because they were both still nuts like they both neither of them showed that they were weaker than they they thought they were so why would anyone fight them for it Um, yeah Sayers went to perform in the circus after this for a little while and then died quite young. He didn't didn't live very long. He had like diabetes, I think. Um, whereas Heenan became a bu- a bookmaker um, for a long time. Didn't like didn't go back to being a strong man anymore. Just went and I guess you'd have to be quite burly to be a bookmaker in those days as well. Cause you'd have to fight all the punters. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. Well, he might have been on like one on the up and up, but it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like in those days everyone was kind of on the take. Like you had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> and you just had to be big enough to 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 bully whoever it was who was trying to get the money off you. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the story of the first ever, uh, first ever world title bout. But it is not the end of the story because the legacy of this fight was what is most interesting um because it was such a high profile event and the brutality and illegality of the fight was really widely reported across all the newspapers in england um and there was questions to the prime minister who was there and or allegedly there there was no one ever proved that he was there but allegedly he was there so he was questioned in parliament over it um and because of it that that is what led to the reformation of boxing rules and the Marquess of Queensbury was the guy who did it. And that's where we get uh, yes, Queensbury yep, rules Queensbury from. rules. Yeah. And they were slowly adopted and now obviously have been boxing rules for hundreds of years. Since, well, not hundreds, but over 800 years. Um, and that was all because of this fight. Like, yeah. Now we all fight with Queensbury rules. We'll stiff up a lip and... No, uh, no, like choking and wear your gloves and everything. Know the belt. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like none of those rules existed before that. It was all just brutality. Yes. And now, after this fight, the Queensbury uh, reformed it and made it into the sport we love, know and love today. Well, so uh, if no, you want, if you want to make your sport legitimate, it needs to be illegal first, and you need to get the prime minister to come watch. Yeah. So that's simple. That's that's what frisbee's got to do, isn't it? <laughs> We've got to start playing frisbee with spikes on it, or like full contact frisbee or something, so that it gets illegal. To... Illegal underground frisbee. Yeah, and then make it really high-profile international match. That's the that's the way to do it. They've paved the way in boxing, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you learn to be new in isolation every day, don't you? When they were young, the world seemed so much fun. And it's on this day with backseat coaches.